0: Welcome back. Today's episode, we are testing snowmobiles, 2017s, and we're very pleased to have uh, Steve Cowling from BRP with us, uh, and uh, sitting in uh, asking questions to Steve about the 2017 product. We have the Snowgore Canada crew and STV crew, Snowmobile Television. We got Mike Van Muen, Phil Molto, Hal Armstrong, and Brad Harris. Brad's going to be asking uh, the questions today to uh, Steve and I'm gonna kind of moderate things and sit back and enjoy. So I hope you find this uh, episode very informative. Uh, We're gonna ask uh, Steve all the questions about the new 2017s and he's got lots to talk about. So how you doing, Steve? Doing great, how about you guys? We're doing good, we had a great ride today, our first day, we got uh, out on the new sleds, got a couple couple screws, enjoyed ourselves. So Steve, um, 2016,
1: highlights. Highlights for 16 are probably going to be the the Pilot TS Ski. Uh, Very innovative concept. I think it's been very well received across the industry so far. Great feedback from customers. Great feedback from dealers. They really like that. Another one was the Blizzard model. Uh, Very well received. Again, that had the 129, had the Ice Ripper, had the Pilot TS Ski. So all those things went over really, really well. Available in season. Very close to an X-package type snowmobile. And then the Enduro. Uh, Again, a lot of the same features where you had... The pilot TS ski on the front of it you had the air ride adjustable suspension a big heavy-duty bumper and kind of a new attitude about it so those sleds are very successful in the west the summits continue to do very well uh, the T3 package really works well in the deep snow so that's been a well-received package now so you've just released uh, the brand new 2017
0: lineup last week uh, we're getting an opportunity to ride it now uh, you got a lot you got a lot of new stuff this year a lot of new features new engine new chassis yes we do um, so Brad, I'm going to hand it over to you. Let's uh, ask uh, Steve some questions about the 2017s. Okay.
2: Hey, um, let's start with the the chassis, the, the new Rev chassis, the, the fourth generation. Let's uh, walk us through that and, and what the, the new features are and give some some details.
1: Well, hopefully I'll remember all of it, but uh, basically it's a, it's a whole new product. I mean, there's nothing on this chassis shared with the old chassis other than the name Rev and the pyramidal concept. So other than that, everything's brand new. You've got a die-cast front uh, bulkhead. I should say front suspension module. You've got a a cast engine bay uh, module, and you've got a whole new tunnel that's beveled tunnel with a new heat exchanger system in it and everything. So moving on from that, you you start building from there. You've got a new RAS three front suspension on both the Summit and on the MXZ. Uh, You've got a new narrower seat gas tank uh, combination where you've taken about six inches out of the gas tank area for your knees to come in closer together, more natural standing position. Uh, we flattened the footrest, so it is a more natural standing position that way also. So it feels a lot more like a motocross dirt bike. I mean, it really is coming down to making something that's very agile, something very easy to maneuver for the riders, and giving them some options on how they can ride the snowmobile by getting parts and pieces out of the way so they can ride it where they want to ride it. Okay,
2: uh, for the, the RAS-3 front suspension, uh, it, it, it's similar to the, the RAS-2, Uh, But the geometry has changed a little bit. Do you want to give a little information on what is different there on the new chassis?
1: The biggest thing is because of the the new S module in the front, we had to make uh, different adjustments for mounting the arms on there a bit. But the concept is the same, and if you remember right, with, with the engineering drawings we had, which are pretty intense, which is hard to say on this show on this podcast, to show the differences. But the idea was to just clean up the travel of the ski just a little bit more. Again, the idea is to try and keep it nice and straight through the arc of travel. Now, Let's talk about an X package where you have a rack steering system or a dual pivot system. That one is completely bump steer-free. There is nothing bump steer-free about that, but that thing is also going to weigh a little bit more and cost a little bit more. So the, the spring buyers are getting a little extra value by jumping on something like the the X model packages where they're going to get that rack steering system plus that forward adjustable steering riser. Okay. Um, so the
2: R-Motion returns, but that's unchanged in the new chassis, correct? Correct, yep. Okay. Uh, what about the footwell area? That's that's kind of a whole new concept for, for trail base sleds.
1: Yes, it's been the open toe hold. Yes. Yeah, the open toe hold is altogether new for, for the trail riders. Something the mountain riders have had for a while, but we've even opened up more for the mountain riders. I mean, they're gaining another two and a half inches of, of room on the running boards because of that open design. For the trail guys, it's a new way of riding. What we put in there is a, a standard, what I call toe hold on the top part of it, but out to the sides is wide open. So when you come into a turn and you want to lean aggressively into the turn, you can let your foot pivot outward, which is a natural position for your foot want to go outward like that, and then you can hook and lift up with that toe hold if you want. But we've also made it so a rider can adjust it to the way they want it. If they don't like that, we have an optional side piece, a lateral support that the guy can put in there really easily. Or they can also take and add shims to that toe hold to bring it down tighter in their boot for a more tighter, more secure fit, if that's what they want. So it's about giving the rider choices, Brad, is what it really comes down to. What do you want it to be, and not let us dictate it, but let you choose what you want.
2: Okay, and that ties right in with the new side panels as well, there's new, basically different knee positions that, that you can use on that, you want to give us some detail on those?
1: Yeah, it's called the Ergostep side panels, uh, there's two different sets, one for the summits and one for the, the flatland versions, okay? On the summits, the idea was obviously the same thing as, as uh, the MXEs to get around the sled easier to remove material so that it's not in the way of the knees and the legs in maneuvering around the snowmobile. The summit has what I'll call a, uh, a support panel for your shin and your knees. You're going downhill a deep, a steep descent. So you could lean right into that side panel going down and you'd be very comfortable with that position um, for a really steep downhill. The MXZ, obviously you're not concerned about that. What you're concerned about an MXZ or a Renegade is moving forward for cornering. So as much as you're used to, you're used to moving out with your knees to get around the snowmobile while you're cornering. Now you can move forward and it's a much more natural and easy position to get into to put you in a more aggressive position for cornering. So when you lean forward fully on uh, the outside and get way outside of the snowmobile, you feel like you're putting your weight right on the spindle, which gives you a very precise line through the turns.
2: Okay, uh, what about the new adjustable riser? That ties right in with the the footwells and and the the panels and that's kind of... This, this ties everything together and kind of finishes it off and, and lets you feel that much further
1: forward absolutely you're, you hit the nail on the head the the forward adjustable riser you know there's four positions it's toolless. it takes a matter of seconds to adjust it hopefully you guys had a chance to try that today mm-hmm. um but it gives you the, the option to be what i'll call position one all the way back it's maybe more of a bump position where you know you're going to be running a lot of bumps or standing up quite a bit you might use that position position two seems to be a pretty common position for everybody it's a uh, right along the lines of where an X and XRS has been in the years past. And then you got two more positions to move forward. When you move forward with that, it allows you to get really forward and aggressive on the machine in the turns, somewhat like a sport bike in that forward lean position. Now, some people will love it. Some people, that won't be for them. But again, it's about choice. So it gives you the option to use the the full use of the side panels and the open toe holes to get really aggressive with it.
2: Okay. What... uh Let's get into the styling a bit. It's, um, at, at first look, it's not, it doesn't look like conventional skidoo styling, but it actually is. It's, it's more skidoo in that style in that hood than has been in chassis for quite a few years. Want to give us a little insight into where the styling came from?
1: Well, it, the styling team, the, these guys, are. they study this stuff. They are really on top of their game. Uh, Daniel LaPointe and his team are fantastic at giving us a fresh, good look. This machine, I think, answers that very, very cleanly. Uh, What he was looking for is timeless and honest design. Um, If you look at uh, modern, let's say, the Apple computer, the Apple iPhone, uh, look at uh, some of the bridges and architectures out there, the the new Aston Martin cars, those things are very clean and very straight, very honest designs. That's what we were looking for in this design, and he did a really good job of delivering on that. His team did. And uh, you'll see a little bit of a a throwback, a, a mention of the history, in a look that's maybe along the lines of the Snow Pros old race sleds and the uh, RV TNT from uh, 1975, the RV 245. So some some cues from the past, but yeah, with a design that's going to look timeless and, and last for a long period of time.
2: Okay. Um let's, uh, let's start talking about the, the 850 e the next generation e tech Everybody wants um, to hear about it. <laughs> yeah, this is what everybody wants <laughs> to know about. So this is... Uh, this is big. I mean, it, it's uh, there's way more going on with this motor than uh, what I think most people really realize. You know, like, the information's there, but let's mm-hmm. let's get into the advancements for two-strokes in general that this new E-tech brings us.
1: This thing is really exciting, there's and there's a ton of technology uh, in this thing. Basically, what the, the design objective was, was to bring four-stroke reliability with two-stroke lightweight and zing. So you still have that power and that quick reaction of a two-stroke, but with the durability of a four-stroke. So it starts basically, uh, I guess I would say you start with a crankshaft on this one. It's a forged crankshaft, which is a very tough design, uh, very robust design. But the key to it is direct oil in it, too. So you've got a tough forged crankshaft to start with. You've got split rod or, or a fractured rod uh, construction, so like a, a motorcycle, four-stroke motorcycle or a four-stroke car construction on the rod itself. I've uh, got direct oiling going to the main bearings along the crankshaft, and then it goes right up through the crankshaft to the big end rod bearing, and then from there, uh, filters out to, to lubricate the cylinders and the, the uh, top piston pin bearing. Uh, it's technology that exists in other areas, but has never been applied to a two-stroke. So it's been creatively brought into the picture by the uh, Rotax engineers, and it was a long project when they started this project, starting to test it. And Spent a lot of time doing some really cool stuff with it. Did you have to increase the the oil pump uh, pressure for anything like that? It's actually the same oil pump we use in the 800 R. It's calibrated for this motor though, so it's it's not a new oil pump in the sense, but the calibration will be different. And we're going to use less oil with this than we have with the 800 R. It's going to give you the kind of mileage of about a 600 HOE Tech on oil. So then, the nice thing about that is we talk we'll talk a little bit more about the oiling system is the oil enters through the main bearings on the crankshaft up to the big-end big rod bearing, and then gets pumped out. You know, If there's anything left going through the system, it goes back to the other side of the main bearings, where it then comes back through the engine again in the opposite direction because it's going to use the vacuum from the uh, from the crankshaft to draw the oil through. So it's getting pushed on one side and, and drawn through with, volume, with uh, vacuum on the other side to make sure that it's a very positive oil bearing or a very positive oiling system. So oil's in there at all times. But the
2: durability, longevity doesn't just—it's dis- not limited to just the bottom end of the crankshaft. Though there's been changes to the top end to uh, to help us as well.
1: Absolutely, um, the piston has got a new design where it's got a ring carrier in it. It's a steel ring carrier surrounding the ring. The enemy of a two-stroke is the ring loosening up within the ring lands of the piston, creates blow-by and eventually causes problems with the piston. Now with this with diesel technology, where we've got a ring carrier, you know, locating that ring in the piston itself. Definitely more robust design, definitely designed to help the ring and the piston last longer. In addition, uh, because that is a steel uh, insert there, the cylinders themselves are coated with a steel process called plasma coating. Okay, so it's a, it's a steel based process. That process expands at the same, or that material, excuse me, expands at the same rate as the piston ring carrier. So everything in the motor is working a little better harmony that way. In addition, that coating holds oil in a more porous way. It's a, it's a more porous casting or a more porous material, excuse me. That holds the oil to better lubricate the piston and the ring.
2: Yeah, it uh, just the durability and the the longevity that the work and that has gone into it and the advancements that you guys have made. I mean, this is uh, at the end of the day, whether you ride mountains or trails, and you know, regardless of what kind of sled you own, you're putting hours, you're putting miles on it. You want to use it, you want to last. So this is uh, this is huge for guys who you know get out there and actually use their snowmobiles and want to keep it for for a few years. So. Yeah, this is this is great news. But what about uh, what about the performance side of things? If there's some new booster injectors. There's a few new things out of there to really give you a performance boost over the 800R.
1: Yeah, one of the objectives was to create more fun factor with the machine. So it's a very responsive motor for sure. Big goal was you know make it as responsive as possible. So you've got a, a lighter crank train, By a crank chain, we mean we're talking about the crankshaft itself, the standards, are the magneto assembly, and the P drive clutch. So those is an assembly we worked on to reduce inertia. Um, Losing weight in key areas, making sure we're robust in other areas to make sure that the design's gonna last durability-wise. So we've we've lessened the inertia in this motor by 15%. That's the first significant thing we've done. The next thing we've done is we've also got a new E-RAVE system on this. So the the RAVEs are now electronically controlled, the servo motor controls them rather than vacuum pressure. It operates three times faster than the old RAVE system, so that's a big boost for that. On the intake side of things, we've added those booster injectors you mentioned. Uh, the booster injectors kick in when the guy snaps the throttle or you know wants instant throttle response and at the very top end of the RPM range where you need a little extra fuel. So it allows us to calibrate the direct injection system very tightly. And then after the booster injector to give you that little extra boost when you need it. Uh, we also moved the throttle bodies 30% closer to the motor than they have been. So all of those things added up along with a little bit freer flowing exhaust make a very high performance motor but the thing people are going to notice most is when you ask for throttle response in this machine it is instantaneous
2: yeah that's one thing actually we really noticed today we, we rode 800 our back-to-back with the, with the new 850 and it's uh yeah it's not a subtle difference it's extremely noticeable so yeah yeah, yeah that's uh it works really well um what about the p drive clutch want to
1: get into that what, what's new with that The P-Drive clutch has got a whole other batch of new technologies there. Obviously, the roller design is the thing that stands out the most. Uh, It's unique in that it's the first primary clutch that uses rollers rather than sliders in the towers to transfer torque. The nice nice thing about the rollers is they're actually self-centering in the sense that centrifugal force forces them up against their running running surfaces, which makes sure it's always self-aligned. So you don't get a lot of clutch chatter in it uh, as it wears, and wear will take a long time to happen on this because it's very frictionless in design. It will always be in alignment line because it's using the centrifugal force to center itself. Uh, another big secret of it is the shaft-on-shaft design. By aligning the, the, the bearing on the sliding sheave and what you would normally call the governor cup on the other end with a steel shaft between them, you assure a perfect alignment all the time. So it's, it's a very solid design, very robust design, designed to make sure that, one, it's maintenance-free for the consumer, and two, that it's very consistent in delivering uh, RPM.
2: Okay, uh, one thing that will kind of tie in the, the motor and the chassis, we've, we've kind of skipped over, but it is actually a huge development for for sleds in general is the motor itself is narrower, the whole power pack is narrower, and it's pretty much centered in the chassis. It's very close to being centered in the chassis. It's been moved over significantly versus being offset previously. What's uh, What are the gains that you know consumers get out of that? And, and, what are the differences?
1: Yeah, we're we're gonna for sure. We could go and talk for a couple hours. We're just poor people who don't want to listen to the podcast that long. But we'll give us all the information we can here. So I apologize if we forget some stuff. But the engine has been shifted over two and a quarter inches towards the center of the vehicle, uh, and it is narrower by one point six inches. The idea behind all that is is if we move the mass to the center and squish that mass as close together as we possibly can, make it as small a smaller mass, uh, both in weight and in location, away from the edges of the vehicle. It's easier for you to influence the vehicle. Um, so your foot on the running board at the outer edge, when you put weight out there, and if the if the mass is centralized more, you have a better effect on it. You can influence the way the machine moves easier. So the real benefit is, as a rider, you gain greater influence.
2: Yeah, and it's uh, to, to me the first benefit would be uh, for deep snow and mountain guys. That I, I could see them having the the most significant uh, benefit from it. But just being out on the trail, it, you know day-to-day corner to corner that's there's a benefit there for everybody whether you're just cruising whether you're you know rocking through the trails and through the bumps so it's uh yeah it's a nice new feature that's
1: yeah absolutely the mountain guy gets the gets the easier roll up the the trail guy gets the chance to make sure that he can cut a precise line by putting his weight right out there and it influences sled the way he wants it to rather than the sled influencing him guys getting any questions you're being pretty quiet over there we're waiting for a ride to finish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Over the years, we've seen a lot of technology coming through the race sled, the race department. Now, this sled seems to have come out of the blue. We don't see this on the race sled. How uh, did that all come about?
1: There's definitely some race, part, race department influence on this sled, without a doubt. Uh, specifically, in measuring uh, throttle dynamic response, the dynamic response we've created with this motor, the ways we've measured it and some of the ideas applied have definitely been influenced by the racing department, without a doubt. Um, chassis. Some of the chassis, chassis stuff, without a doubt, too, like the flatter running boards, uh, the narrow tunnel, all that stuff has been you know, vetted with both consumers, the product team, and the race department team. It's, it's a group effort. It really, when they get together to, I'll say, brainstorm on this, it is truly a group effort, and racing is definitely a part of that. The dynamics of the chassis... Our our race engineers are very good at that and and we listen heavily to that.
0: Are we going to see the race light come with a die cast front? Okay.
1: You know, a future product I can't really commit uh, or or comment on. um, If and when,
3: who knows? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Phil? When you've got a product like a new motor coming, you've got so many markets out there that are looking at something like that within your corporation. How, how does how, what's the response like when you hear like the mountain people and then the trail people and the, the you know everybody hears there's a new engine coming? What's what's it like the behind the scenes talk rumble like energy? So far right? as the
1: rumors, the it's, it's the energy is always exciting. I mean, it's always high when you have a new product of any sort, uh, without a doubt. The best thing is the excitement in the snowmobile industry is unparalleled. The passion that that snowmobiles, snowmobilers have is unbelievable. We have some new members on our team at Ski right now that are in their first, second, and third years, and they just can't believe the amount of passion that snowblowers have in digging for knowledge and wanting the next greatest thing and the next best thing. And they're constantly on it about what's, what is next. And you'll find that that's honestly, that's our theme for next year. What's next?
4: Well, Yeah. I, I like the slogan. What matters is what, is what's, uh, what's next. And, uh, this platform, of course, uh, today I got to ride it back to back with uh, with the uh, last year's platform, and uh, it's definitely it's a it's a step up. Uh, the uh, The motor is like, wow, it's it's amazing, like the, the uh, instantaneous throttle responses is is, uh, is yeah, blew me away. Uh, my my question maybe for for somebody out there. Uh, Wondering about whether they should trade up to this model. Of course, it's a first generation. Uh, you know, it's a new model, and people are always leery of it. Um, so, what can we? What can you tell us about the amount of testing that's gone into uh, this new motor and the chassis, mm-hmm. um, just to you know, leave any fears for somebody that
1: uh, you know is considering making the move to uh, the new uh, the new sled. Well, when you look at the design and the way it's put together, it's definitely, it should be confidence-inspiring and seeing how it's just designed and the thought process put into it. Second off is, in talking with the engineers, this machine, or this motor especially, is about uh, one year ahead of where we were with the 800R when we introduced it. There's been an extensive amount of testing done on this. Uh, We know there's a lot of new technology developed in it, so we were very careful in its its, uh, development process to make sure we were very ready to bring us out first year
4: the um we had done a uh, a visit uh this past november uh and met with the folks in the uh in the qa and production and everything and uh and they kind of stepped us through the whole process where how skidoo works with their uh with their suppliers uh right from the get-go in the design so that they're not uh um building something that they're uh um, suppliers can also design, which was really impressive. So with this particular model, like the P-Clutch, we've seen it on the XRS race sled, uh, this year, and, uh, now it's on the production sled for 2017. What other, uh, parts, um, have come up, you know, through, through, um, maybe not even the race department, maybe in other, in other areas that have, uh, uh, Come on
1: to the sled. Well when you look at like for instance look at the plasma coating on the cylinders that's something CEDU's been using now for I believe three years minimum of two but I think it's three. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the piston technology is new because it's two stroke instead of a four stroke in the watercraft so that's a bit new in that point but uh, because we've seen it in diesels we have a, a high degree of confidence in it. Um, the the forged crankshaft is, is nothing new in the sense that Rotax has been producing motorcycle motors for quite some time for various customers, uh, ATV Motors for ourselves included. So technologies like that are known and quantified already. So the, the confidence is pretty high in some of that technology that's being brought to bear on this one.
2: Okay. So it's not a lot new with just applying it to a ski product in general that, that, that is new?
1: Well, there, there are definitely some new stuff, yeah. without a doubt. I mean, like I said, you know, a two-stroke piston being cast with a steel insert in it is a bit new. Uh, we worked with our piston supplier for three years to get that right. Okay, uh, the plasma coating, plasma coating is not new. I think if, if I remember correctly, if, Hal, you may know something about this. Uh, I think it was a Ford Mustang in 2011 that first used that kind of a coating on their cylinder walls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the technology has been around a little bit and we're, we're adopting it fast and bringing it to two, two strokes, which is a little bit different cylinder because of obviously you've got the ports in it compared to a, a non-ported four-stroke cylinder. Um, so there's, there's some, some new stuff in there without a doubt that was developed with Rotax and with outside suppliers to help make sure we got it right. But again, like I said, we've had a lot of hours on this, more so than any other engine we've brought to market lately. And the real key is we're taking and we're applying some creativity to solve things in a way that other people really haven't seen demonstrated in a two-stroke, like, you know, the forged crank and the split rod connect, or the uh, fracture rod construction. It hasn't been applied in a two-stroke. Uh, I think the only one that I can think of maybe is an outboard that might have had something like that in the past.
0: Okay, I'm gonna add here. Uh, Hal mentioned uh, the article he did uh, at Skidoo Bombardier uh, and Phil. That's in the January issue of Snowblower Canada magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, if people want to check that out, it's a great article done by Hal Armstrong and, uh, and Phil. And that was uh, you can see that uh, it's in Snowblower Canada magazine. And we're gonna put that on on the web, right? Also on Snowblower Television. And Snowblower Television. Yeah, we have an episode coming up uh, on Snowblower Television. Uh, it hasn't aired yet, but it's coming soon. Maybe next week. So great. Uh, so check that out. It was a great article done by Hal and, uh, and Phil. Um, Steve, I'll ask you. Um, the you, you likely haven't done the EPA testing yet. Maybe you have this. This new engine's got to be better. Uh, preliminary results show it will at least equal the 800R. Yeah. Do you, do you expect any more gains? Like, the, is uh, is your goal to try to maybe get more better
1: economy? Absolutely. It's always always good to improve, and, and where we might be able to do that is. When we burn less oil, we have less hydrocarbon emissions. So, in the sense that if we can deliver oil mileage like a 600 eTech, we could potentially see some gains in, in or some improvements in efficiencies of uh, emissions.
0: Yeah, and um, I don't think you mentioned Brad the uh, the magneto, uh, you, the, the narrowness of the of the engine and, and the centering of the of
1: the engine in the, in the chassis. You have a, a narrower magneto. Yes, that that 1.6 inches that we gained when, when we narrowed that motor up was mainly gained by uh, the, the stator or the Magneto housing itself. Uh, Eliminating a great deal of width in there and, and making it skinny and larger around rather than wider and, and smaller. Were you able
0: to put the engine any further down into the chassis with this uh, new one? This new it's new
1: basically in the same spot that it has been with yeah. the previous XS chassis. Okay, perfect.
3: I, I, I can't help but being a vintage buff, uh, you mentioned the 1975 you know RV 245. You look at that era, and what was available to snowbuilders, both in chassis length, engines, tracks, there really wasn't that much to choose from. When I walk up and down that line today, I can't believe the choices that a person has. What's it like for you as a manufacturer trying to make sure you hit everybody from coast to coast, elevation wise, track length, engine, engine requirements, seating requirements, seating position? What's it like for you trying to address everybody from coast to coast, north to south?
1: Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Obviously, you're trying to, to please the vast majority of customers that are out there. Uh, but by making machines a little more adaptable, a little more customizable, you stand a better chance. So you don't go into a motorcycle shop by, uh, let's say you're going to buy a street cruiser. You'll find the bike there, but there's not a windshield on yet, because guess what? They're not sure which windshield you might want. The foot pegs are there, but you know what? The floorboards aren't, so you might want to add some floorboards at some point. So you're talking about customizing. You should see some more of that in snowmobiles. I would guess. Uh, no matter what windshield we put on a machine, we probably guess wrong for 50% of the people who are going to buy that machine, because one guy might be six foot seven, one guy might be five foot four. You know, so it's it's difficult to do that. But you have to study the trends as best you can and try and anticipate where the market's going because it's a three to five year development process. To say that we're going to bring out a new machine to answer market niche tomorrow. Very difficult unless you put it on a fast track at the development department, and that's just not realistic to keep doing those things. So you have to anticipate market needs well in advance. But
3: look at looking at our staff here. Like when I'm when I'm on the trail with these guys here, we've got engineers and machinists and you know racers and stuff. These guys here know their stuff about sh- different shocks, different uh, how, how how a different a slightly different track length or a slightly different lug makes a huge difference on the way a sled handles today. Going back to 1975 when if you had a shock on your ski, there was no question. It was just a shock. So today, you're addressing such fine details and changes that every rider wants. They're so particular about those minute changes. How do you, as a manufacturer, address that everybody wants this little extra extra bit? You mentioned that about accessories and, and parts of accessories. There's so much more that people also want above what they can order.
1: Yeah, there is. The only, the only way you're going to be able to do that is through the accessories side of things so, at some point, you're going to have to call, you know, you can have, let's say, three different shock packages on a very similar chassis. And if somebody wants something outside of those three shock packages, well, obviously we aren't answering their needs. So they're going to go custom and do something they want to do on their own. So we do the best job of, again, trying to meet the market where the where the meat of the people are. What, who wants, what machine is going to answer the, the greatest need for the greatest number of people? is the only thing you can try to hope for. And then watch the trends and say, okay, which way do we think it's going to go next? Will this buyer benefit? from a longer track, a skinnier track, a T-Motion suspension, what will they benefit from? And then you try to anticipate that need and you're building again two and three years in advance to get to that point where you meet the customer and then say, here's what we've got. And and by then they might've said, yeah, that's what I want.
3: Let's look look at the uh, the free ride crowd. You've got people who a bit of track makes a huge difference in the way they ride and they're completely different from each other but I look at them as being very similar. How do you address a, a niche market who are also within that niche market, very particular about, about a track length?
1: Well, we offer three track lengths in a free ride. So I think it's the best way we can do it. Uh, there's a 137, which we know that type of rider is probably not going to be in a lot of deep snow. So we put an arm motion suspension underneath that one because they're going to tend to be more on a, a flatland surface or uh, in what I'll call rougher, tougher conditions. Whereas we got a 154 and a 146 that were a guy, these guys need flotation. Because they're going to tend to be in deeper snow, in the mountains maybe, or in the backcountry where there is deeper snow. They need that extra flotation. Therefore, that limits that they're not usually on as packed and hard of trails. t Motion works great for those guys. Initiating a turn
3: easily is what they're more about. So you, you must find an interest though how within a niche, within a niche, within a niche, there's still a niche. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And,
1: and you can't get to all of them, but you do the best you can. <laughs>
2: Uh, getting back to the, the new rev chassis, uh, you were talking about the, the stator. There's one cool little feature, uh, again, adopted from four stroke. Um, the, the starter, the ring gear is actually on, is, is integrated into that system. That's the way you've narrowed it down and the starter is now, you know, built right in, into the lower case.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's more what I'll call ATV motorcyclist technology where the starter is very similar to what you'd see on a motorcycle and ATV. It's small. We use reduction gears to get extra power back out of it, uh, so it's a really compact, small package. And by using the flywheel as the ring gear, rather than having a ring gear bolted onto the back of the clutch like we've had in previous years, uh, we make it a much smaller, more compact package. And we're you know asking parts to do two purposes rather than just one purpose of so being just the flywheel. Now it's also the ring gear for it. It's efficiencies.
2: Yep. And uh, an- another feature that that kind of is flying under the radar and kind of a just a new manufacturing concept for, for snowmobiles is the, the heat exchanger it's uh, it's not the you know the extruded thin tube that you, you'd normally see it's uh, looks completely different so what, what's what's new about that and how does that integrate into the chassis
1: yeah it's it's two stamped pieces of, of a sheet of aluminum and uh, it runs the full width of the, of the chassis at the back of the, t- the tunnels where you can find most of the water it's, it's two passages running along it to get back there Uh, it's smooth in surface, so there's no, it's not an extruded surface, doesn't have fins on it like it has in the past. We found through testing that that's much more effective at dissipating the heat. The snow hits it, cools instantly, falls off, it doesn't stick, so you don't have the added weight of snow and ice buildup on the chassis. Definitely, for sure, a benefit for the guy in the run in the deep snow, but truly a benefit for all riders.
3: I'd like to talk to you about wind protection. -hmm. Traditionally, we think that you know if you've got basically a piece of hockey arena plexiglass in front of you, you've got wind protection. But that's not the case anymore.
1: Yeah, wind protection is a subject that runs deep, depending on how the rider is. And again, you talked about niche markets earlier. What does that guy want? The nice thing about this sled is we've actually improved the wind protection over the Rep XS, even with the four inch narrower bodywork on it, which is a significant improvement. Again, our test riders are probably the most critical guys we could have in the world. They spend a ton of time on a machine. If we don't get bad comments on wind protection and seats, we know we've done our job well. And that's the case with the new rev, is that we've got great comments from that team saying that, yep, wind protection is good, seat works good, leave it alone. Any more
4: questions, guys, before we get into the uh, model lineup? No, I just one uh, thing I noticed uh, today on the trail... We uh, we bumped into a, a group of uh, riders um, up here in Yellowstone, and one of the fellows, his eyes lit up when yeah. he seen Gord. He was anxious to have Gord work. was sitting <laughs> on, the, uh, on the on the on uh, the MX what was it the, the MXZX? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and he came tearing over there. Pop first kind of apprehensive. open
0: his BS. Uh, B, 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 yeah,
4: helmet yeah. And he so was just, just like you know, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, and, and I gotta say, in the I don't know four or five years I've been coming here, that is the first time I've ever seen that kind of uh, of a response to a new uh, model. I mean, and this guy had to run like a hundred yards to come and have a look at it. We weren't right beside him, right? He knew what it
0: was right, right away too. Like they drove up, uh, drove up on their skidoo's, and they, so they said, that "There's the
4: new slope." He knew exactly what it was.
1: Yeah, right there. Yeah, so.
3: He,
4: that's pretty uh, that's pretty impressive, you know it's pretty uh, pretty cool and uh, and uh, I guess one of the, the the last things just as a sidebar to that is that when I look at the machine, of course um, you know it's a it's a lot of money to build that new platform and that new bodywork and everything else so um, it, um, in manufacturing of the sled, are we going to see is it is it is there less parts? In it, you know, um, in the overall in the sled, is it uh, is it simpler to make uh, um, as, as far as the, the assembly process goes? That more parts are being shared for different functions. Um, I don't know if there's anything you can elaborate on that or not.
1: In in a few areas, yes, there is some parts being do, doing double duty, but um, we went through that rationalization a while back in trying to cut the number of parts and. Uh, it's hard to get much better than we are today with it. Don't get me wrong, there's some areas we can maybe look at doing some some additional things, but uh, the rationalization about using parts to the maximum has pretty much been put there. And, mm-hmm. uh, I love what you guys have got to say about the customer coming running up because that like, it goes back to that passion that consumers have got for for this sled, and snowblowers in general are just uh, crazy nuts about new product and what's going on and want to be the latest, latest, greatest, the first to know what's going on. So, But I have a question for you guys at some point. Is What were your first impressions of that 850 motor?
2: Okay,
1: let's go around here. Mike, one uh, one, one comment, comment on
2: the one
0: event. comment. Uh, totally impressed, like the, especially the instant throttle response. You know, like just coming out of the corner and it's right there. Then you don't have to wait like two or a second and a half like the old eight hundred. Okay. You know, like,
3: until it built the RPM. It, the RPM is like it's hitting it right right away. Uh, for me, always looking uh, again, going back historically, you're trying to get rid of that mid that mid range hesitation and stuff. It, it, it felt uh, it felt supercharged in that it was completely linear. The more you asked for, it, the more it gave you. There was never at any point a hesitation or a step where there was any hesitation. You asked, it just kept giving and giving. The other injections you know, kick in and just kept right through. There was never any point in that power band under any situation, either coming out of a corner or down a straight, or coming up a hill. There was never a point where you where you felt any hesitation. There was con- consistent linear linear response that completely right through the whole range, cool. regardless of the load. Hell,
4: me it was uh, vibration. I mean it's vibration free, mm-hmm. and, and most of these uh, 800s out there, you you feel it in your feet and you feel it in the handlebars, and uh, they've done a fantastic job on balancing this thing because it's it's like a It's like a six hundred, I mean it's 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 there's just no vibration. But um yeah, it's it didn't matter which eight hundred I rode your 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 eight hundred R, any of the competitors, I mean uh it's uh it's really impressive. Whoever
2: buys one of these and uh is gonna be impressed. Rod, Uh it 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 just feels so much more alive than the eight hundred R. And the eight hundred R is a good motor. There's nothing wrong with it, you know. It, it's a great, you know. It's got lots of power, but um, the new one is just, you know, it's instantaneous. It's not, you know, it's not marketing hype. It's, it's instantaneous. The power's there, and it it delivers it very um, smoothly and consistently through the whole power band. There's no there's no noticeable peaks when you hit that. You know, the booster injectors. I mean, when you come out of a corner and you want to mash that throttle, it like it's there and it stays there. It doesn't doesn't drop off or anything. So it's um, yeah, it's just there's, there's so much more. It's just more alive. It feels more alive than, than the uh, the 800R. So it, it's uh puts a smile on your face really easily.
0: Well, it's unanimous. I agree. I agree with all of you. The uh, the, the motor is it, it is an instantaneous power band, and it was it was throughout the power band. You got on the throttle and it was just like it was just there. It was like electric. You know I you know I have an electric car. It's just like it's it. It was just like an electric feeling the the the, the power band. So like that. How uh, you mentioned the uh, lack of vibration, I, I noticed that too, no vibration in this motor or, or chassis, and quietness, the motor is really quiet for, for an 850 motor, I was really impressed with the, uh, with the uh, quietness of the motor, um, but me being an, an, an older guy now, I'm starting to appreciate the comfort more, so you know, the, the adjustable handlebars was great, the seat, new seat, and tank you know, form was was really nice to move around in, and I like those footwells. They uh, Get my big feet in and out. You know, going around the corners, leaning leaning around. It's kind of got the two stage panels where you can lean lean out and put your knee further out, kind of in a step pattern. So that was kind of nice too. Yeah, I uh, I, I like the
2: sled a lot.
3: Appreciate if you. I, if guys I could jump in on Gore's comment there, uh, just the 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 chassis. When I try a chassis, I, I tend to move around it. If you follow me, it's a little bit like an aerobics class. I'm always trying to find out. <laughs> Uh, sleds have a sweet spot and a not sweet spot. And I'm always trying to move around and trying to find, cause some sleds don't want you moving around. Others do. This sled was full of sweet spots. I could move all over that sled. And there wasn't a spot where the sled seemed angry as to where I was positioning myself. I'm not a big guy, but I could move all over that sled and it didn't seem to be fighting where, where I was positioning myself. And as far as the feet positionings, um, I, you know, it's a podcast. You can't see it. I'm sitting here with my road warrior, warrior type knee braces on and the, sometimes on some sleds, I find my feet are committed to a position where my knees start giving me little, little, little bee stings and I didn't feel that at all today. I, I probably could have done without the knee braces today because I was never feeling that spot where I, I, my knees and my feet were committed to a spot where I didn't want to be. We're really showing our age here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but, I just spot for my cane. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Brad. Um,
2: <laughs> so there's probably one important question that, uh, you know, especially 800 buyers are asking themselves right now. They, they've they seen the release. They've been looking at probably all the specs online. And they want to know probably, is it worth trading in my, you know, fairly new late model 800RE tech via MXZ, Renegade, whatever, on The new model, and if I had to answer that, I would say absolutely. And it's not just for the chassis, Uh, for me, it's it's more for the motor, and again, not just the performance. But now, an 800 guy can go and get the performance they want better than the 800 RE Tech, but they get the longevity. And like I said before, at the end of the day, you want to rack up miles, you want something that. You can trade in, feel good trading in, and knowing you're not going to trade in in two years just because you're you're putting on a lot of miles. So, you know, the benefits of the chassis and the benefits of the motor that absolutely trade in. Like this is this is the sled you've kind of been waiting for. You've been holding off, looking for something, whether you're on a competitor's machine or not. Go in, talk to a dealer, and yeah, this is well worth trading in and upgrading from the eight hundred RE tech. Cool, Good
1: well, Thanks for yeah. the feedback. That's great
0: to know. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Let's let's talk about the lineup. Let's uh, let's go through um, the uh, the the lineup, the the lineup, and uh, the fe- features on on each of the,
1: the models. Well, Gord, you didn't let me bring my notes with, so I'm kind of bare here. But I'll do my best. We got a brochure here with us. If you <laughs> want to look at your brochure, <laughs> uh, you'll do fine. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's start with the summit then. Uh, summit wise, uh, one seventy four. Uh, summit X still exists. Uh, it's got the eight hundred R motor in it. The Summit X with the 850 and the new Gen, uh, Rev 4 Gen, Rev Gen 4 chassis, uh, is a 165 and a 154, and it's available in a 3-inch lug or a 2.5-inch lug. So then we move down to the in-season models. We have a Summit SP. Summit SP will be available with the 850R, uh, excuse me, the 850 E-Tech, and that will be the Rev Gen 4 chassis, and it's 165 again, and... 154, two and 3-inch track lugs. So that's an in-season model. The x buyer, by the way, we did talk a lot about what, what, what's in it for the x in the uh, Summit, and there's a really, a really new cool set of running boards on that one called the Profile Running Boards. It's like a, a grater, a cheese grater in a sense. that The snow passes right through them very, very easily. It's, it's a setup that people will want to go look at uh, to see the difference between the two, between an SP and an X, understand some of the differences between those models. Um The rest of the lineup remains pretty similar to what people are aware of. There's a a Summit SP in-season, available in different track lengths. Uh, There'll be a a T3 package, as I'll call it, a a 3-inch lug uh, with the 800R. There will also be a 163 800R offered this year, too. And that was a late addition to the model lineup. Uh, We have the Burton model again this year, and we have the Summit Sport. Uh, We are eliminating the 800-par power power tech. That one is gone, so it's just a 600-carbon engine available in that now. Um wild colors. Yeah, wild colors. That's the free ride. Yeah, that's the free ride <laughs> without a doubt. Again, free ride configuration is is a, a similar to what people are used to. It's a 137 hour motion or it's a 146 and a 154 T motion. With some probably the most striking colors we've ever seen. Uh very well received so far. Mm-hmm. Uh in season, the guys can buy it in season now, not just a spring break model this year, so that's really good news too. Uh jumping down to the MXZs. You have the XRS in the eight hundred. And then you also have a 600, there's going be a, uh, a single SKU for the 600 guys that want to get on an XRS. It'll be black only. It'll be kind of an Iron Dog Edition type machine, basically with the, the same benefits that uh, that sled's had over the years, or back when we introduced it. Um, jumping into the X model, that's where the uh, Rev Gen 4 is with the 850. Uh, that one, again, in the X, you're now going to get the rack steering and the forward adjustable riser, which are the benefits for the spring buyer. And then we have the X available with the 600 and the 1200 still. That'll be on an XS-based chassis. Okay. Into the Renegade, or excuse me, we should probably go to the uh, in-season models. TNT is available with the uh, Gen 4 and the 850. Uh, that one will have, you uh, should see, it's a black and a white one. Um, I think that covers most of what that one's got available for it. Then we jump down to the TNTs with the 600 and the 1200 and the 900 Ace again, I believe. scratch that, 900 Ace is in the next model. It's uh, No, it's in that one. Okay. Maybe just give it that brochure It's a, it's a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Going, going off memory, it's hard, <laughs> and hard to get off. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Then then we have the uh, the Sport model. By the way, the one, the TNTs are all 129-inch track this year. So we have changed that configuration. The only 120 track we'll offer will be the TNT Sport, and that is the 600 Carb and the 600 Ace in that one. And then it Renegade's a similar formula. Basically, the XRS exists, but that's an 800R only. There's not a 600 offered in the the Renegades. Then we jump to the Renegade X, where you've got the 850 Gen 4. Same benefits of rack steering system and forward adjustable riser. And then the Renegade X with the 600 and the 1200 in it. Then you have the Renegade Adrenaline, in-season model. We have an 850 with the Rev Gen 4 chassis there. And then we have the 1200 and 600 available in that one, too. So then we go to the sport models, where we have the 600... Ace, I believe. I don't think we... check to see if we have the sport there, but the card model still. Configurations change quickly there. They'll the be Enduro. Enduro, the Enduro. Enduro series, yeah, this year gets a heated seat on it. It's, it's uh, the change there. Same uh, configurations were available to get in last year. So the rest of the lineup after that is going to be, I'll be quite honest, similar to, to last year's lineup. A lot of difference. We did add a 900 Ace to the Grand Touring. Um... And we have a new color on the Tundra, and the Tundra Extreme. Kind of looks like more like a freestyle color. Other than that, it's pretty similar to what people have uh, come to expect from last year's lineup, too. But one of the really new, new things you guys got to be sure and check out, too, is our accessories. Yeah, talk about your
0: accessories. You got ninety ninety 90-some-odd,
1: you saying? Yeah, 90 new accessories ready for the, uh, the Gen 4s. So these things are ready to go right now, or I should say when your sleds will be delivered next fall, the, the parts and pieces will be there. Everything from one-plus-one seats to... Uh, the optional forward adjustable riser for a guy that maybe buys a TNT and finds out, hey, i kind of like to have that as an option. That'll be there. Uh, we've restyled the link tunnel bags. Uh, we've got uh, the but I think are probably the best skid plates around because they're injection bolted skid plates that fit really perfectly to the sled. Uh, install times cut to about a one-fourth what it was. Um, some really cool stuff there. The Pilot TSC upgrade kits. So we've got very integrated accessories, some some innovative stuff that, um, hopefully take people in, and enhance their experience every
3: day Great. you yeah. talked about uh passion a few times in, our, in, in this in this podcast people are passionate in different ways there's the passionate trail rider there's the passionate person who just wants mm-hmm. us to go exploring there's the passionate powder rider the passionate you know i got to get out there and i got to jump something today in the, in the backcountry What's it like for you as an as a representative when you get to actually meet the people and talk about product? You talk to us, the media, but when you actually get to talk to the rider?
1: You know, those of us that are lucky enough to be in the snowball industry are, are fortunate. Uh, it, it's work. Yeah, they work hard. We work hard at it. But when you see the customers and you see the smiles on their faces and the, and, and the excitement to enjoy our sport, you know, it's it's easy for you guys. It's easy for me. It's easier for everybody because... You know you're, you're, you're it's about fun it's not about something that's a has to have to survive this is about having fun, and that's the best part of our industry meeting those customers love listening to them everybody's got a different take on something out there and you can sometimes spot trends by listening to them you know where they're going for what they're looking for in their next product and they can't quite articulate it but if you listen carefully, you can maybe kind of put it on paper yourself
3: it's a it's a great sport it's a great pastime it's a great industry to be involved with. But it's also competitive. Uh, you know, again, looking at the uh, mount the mountain segment, very competitive. You've got great products, great new stuff out there, and lots of accessories. So when you're out there and you're actually meeting the people in the mountains, what's what's it like? Because you're seeing your product being used and getting feedback. Also realizing that you know this 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 is as much camaraderie there amongst, as there as there is amongst the OEMs. There's also a competitive nature to it.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's there's competitive nature amongst the consumers. I mean, how often do you tease your friends for riding another brand that you might not ride? The, the people listening to this podcast, I'm sure, are doing it all the time. That's half the fun of it. That's the old Ford versus Chevy pickup truck battle. You know, that's, you know, it's a good time, and Dodge is getting in on it now, too, so we got to keep it. make sure we include them in that. So, yeah, the passion's great. I mean, it's competitive without a doubt. And, and that's what, in the end, that's what brings the customer a better sled. It forces everybody to lift their game. If we stand still, the other brands are going to pass us. And I think they feel the same way, that when they see something come out that's innovative from skiU, they know they're going to have to answer
3: too. So the customer benefits, right? We're here at Snowshoot. I mean, the compound's full of great riders from the manufacturers, the media. I mean, there's some people log a lot of miles in all kinds of situations. But you must, when you're on those uh, shoots up in the mountains and you see some people who can just ride, or people who can come through stutter bumps and over moguls, do you ever sit there and just say sometimes, that person is good?
1: Absolutely. I have the privilege of riding with some of those people once in a while. I mean, going to the mountains with a guy like a Carl Kuster or a Rob Alford or a Tony Jenkins, those guys are phenomenal. I mean, I can only hope to someday ride as good as them, but I'm probably never going to be able to do that at this point. But watching them and learning from them is great. You watch some of these guys that run the bumps and the moguls that are really good at it, without a doubt, you have to recognize and give them kudos for what they can do.
3: You and I are trackside this past year at uh, Duluth. Again, snowcross, you look at what those riders can do. You, it's, it's, it's amazing what some people can do to a snowmobile.
1: Yeah, and really, in snowcross, the bravery some of them demonstrate is is quite large. Any other questions, guys? That
0: was a great ending, Bill. What, what's what's oh, a, how how you
3: got to... I got I got one. What? What's it like for you when you finally get to ride? I mean, you got to come talk to us about products and stuff. What's it like for you when you actually get to ride a snowmobile? It's, it makes
1: you think about all the work you put in for all that week. Is definitely worth it. How's that? Is that a good way to put it? Because I tell you what. It, it's still something that I enjoy. Uh, it's, it's a part of the industry. I love being a part of the industry because of that. Yeah, I couldn't think of a better place to be, really. Well, you have another question? Yeah, just, just you know what,
4: and I know this is a snowmobiling podcast, but for if there was anybody out there who is a non-snowmobiler, what is the message from Lombardier, Skidoo, um, Steve Cowing? To entice somebody to, to um, you know, have a second look at snowmobiling today as it exists, and a lot of people I still meet today, they still have the mentality of the '70s, the the oily, the you know, the blue smoke, the noisy contraptions. They're breaking down. What is it that we can do, or what is it that Skidoo is is looking at, or? that we can attract more people to, to this sport?
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head, Hal. I mean, you, you couldn't have said any better because they're used to the old the old smelly, loud snowballs that would break often. Um, I've had the chance to take a couple of my relatives out riding who have no motorsports experience, and I'll say minimal motorsports skills, and put them on something like an Ace 900, or 1200, a 600 E-Tech, uh, and they come back smiling going, I never knew snowboarding had advanced this far. And they're just, they're amazed at saying, you know, are you kidding me? This is what it's about now. It's quiet. It's smooth. It's clean. We could ride this thing all day. I'm comfortable. I can get up the next day and my back doesn't hurt. So they're really enlightened once they get the chance to get out there and do that. Uh, So far as what we're doing on our side, we work with ISMA. And ISMA has a bunch of programs that you'll see out about the uh, Take a Friend snowmobiling is the best way that we've found to take a guy out riding because it really, if you look at how we all got into sport, we were introduced by either probably a relative, our fathers maybe, a friend, an uncle, a brother-in-law, whoever it might be. Somebody took us riding and we got hooked. And that's what we need the sport. If we want it to grow, we need more people to take some action like that because that's the best way to get a person involved. The social aspect is there. Uh, the fun and the thrill factor is there. And, and uh, without somebody holding your hand and taking them, it's, it's a pretty tough sport to get over that hurdle of getting into it. So, that's the best way we've seen to make it happen. So we're going to keep working with it, take a friend's to overland campaigns and maybe try and expand on that in the future.
0: That's great. That's phenomenal. That's a, uh, that's a great ending. Um, Steve, I want to thank you a lot for, uh, for doing this with us. Um, we've got some great information out here. Um, you're a busy guy. I know you're, <laughs> you're in the middle of the launch. You just finished your launch and you're here uh, talking with us and, uh, and out there uh, providing some great sleds for us to ride uh, in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, we're going to have some more skidoos out this week. So looking forward to that. Steve, want to thank you a lot for uh, for talking with us.
4: Thank you guys for having me and uh, I look forward to riding with you. Great. We'll take that.